welcome to Greener Grass, the podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Today we have former NFL safety, Rob Kelly. He played for four years for the New Orleans Saints, and he was recruited by the Patriots and did training camp there and suffered a career-ending injury. Back in 2018, his wife, Emily Kelly, wrote an op-ed for the New York Times titled, I'm the wife of a former NFL player. Football destroyed his mind. This was widely read by our hometown community and, you know, the world at large, and it enumerated his long list of symptoms that Rob now suffers from because of concussions over the years. But that is not how I know him. He was two grades ahead of me in high school. We went to the same high school, Newark Catholic. And we have such a small community there that everybody knows each other. And I knew of him for so long. He knew of me. And we kind of became friends through Facebook. And I invited him to be on the pod to talk about his incredible story. So without further ado, here is our interview with Rob Kelly. We were just talking about, because Kelly's also from Newark. And uh, none of us, none of us live there anymore, but it's just, I was just saying as much as there's stuff about living and growing up in Newark that I wish was different. Number one for me, diversity. Yeah. Cause that was just hard for me as an Asian chick growing up, you know, with all my white friends. I can't imagine. You know. I can't imagine. <laughs> we weren't friends in high school. You lived in a different bubble than I did. We weren't even in the same class, but we went to a high school near Catholic that I graduated with 60 kids. I don't know how many kids were in your class, but it's tiny. Not many. Yeah, yeah. not many. Super small. So I just feel like the community there is the reason why you and I could connect somehow yeah. because, you know, we we know of each other and... Tom was in my class. Megan's in the class below me, your siblings, which, um, yeah. um, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Things are, you know, things are good. It's a, it's a good summer so far. Um, my parents actually just left back for Ohio. They were here for a week for, um, for my, uh, to celebrate my 47th birthday as we said we're getting i know you just turned 47 yeah getting closer to the five number but that's okay because it's just a number and uh obviously yep. uh, father's day which was really um special to have them here um uh after you know just 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 to see them and uh spend time with them and uh we get to do little little things uh, that were very special and um so they just left the other day so uh it's been a couple sad days here in boulder yeah, that the that the grandparents are not there, and your parents still live in Newark. You know, that was just our uh, time, and we were at Newark Catholic because basically, once Meg was gone, they we moved out. They moved out to we had a, a tree farm Wait. in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Wait, 
Like a Christmas tree farm? Yeah, yeah. Like we had that. We had that growing up. And you know what's so funny, Rob? <laughs> Carrie somehow gets super excited about Christmas tree farm. <laughs> Time I said that I was going to get a tree, and she's like, "Are you going to one of those Christmas tree farms?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie, you got to come out to Colorado then. I mean, this is this is really fun Christmas tree. But no, we um. <laughs> Well, growing up, it was definitely like a Christmas tree farm, but we did not live out. My dad and our neighbor would go out and like they planted all these Christmas trees just together, cleared all the space, you know, for all these years, mowed, trimmed, you know, me and my brother would go out there and, you know, throw rocks and, you know, play with sticks. That was the fun thing to do back then, play with stick or throw a rock up in the air and then accidentally hit the other one, you know, in the eye with it, you know. And end the day from work day for my dad. No, so we had an actual Christmas tree farm, and we would sell them to Jimmy Crumb's foundation. Part I think I don't know like all of them, but part of them to make money for like our family's Christmas. We I grew up with uh, three three sisters and a brother, so it was uh, tough uh, on a Catholic family. Jimmy Crumb, should I know that name? He was a, he was a broadcaster, a, a sports broadcaster in Columbus for many years. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So wait, you guys don't own Timbuk Farms, do you? No, 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 no. We don't even. It was. It was not. Yeah. This is not even. A, it's not. <laughs> if, if you went there and you saw the the actual like, if, you know, quote unquote Christmas trees that are left there, um, they're struggling. But they're still there. They're just enjoying their 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 adult life as whatever they've become. They turned into. But someone actually has taken over the farm. My parents now now okay. live in Mount Vernon. But my stop my my dad still gets to go out and mow. So that is the the plus for them. Somehow Ohio guys love to go out and mow. <laughs> yeah, for his birthday, um, I bought him like had this LL like bean like. 50 SPF shirt that I got him for mowing. Like, and he just loves his, like, a yeah. XL tall. And finally got him, like, a, a new one to replace it. And he was, like, so stoked, like, because he mowed today and was, like, so happy. I think this is a real thing. I don't think I'm making this up. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something about... There's something... <laughs> No, you're not. I believe it, but it it bit me for like a year, and I was like, you know what? I'd rather do something else than this for two hours. Okay, I did not know this about your family at all. I did not. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of, yeah. I love people in general and like their stories and their whys in life and like how they came to be where they're at. And I feel like every person has their own like sure. plate of shit or their struggles or, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> I'm super intrigued, like just yeah. to get to know you. I, I'm sure Carrie knows you a little bit better than I do, but just- to hear your whole deal. I'm super excited for today. And who, who knew it would start with Christmas tree farms? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to have time for the whole deal. I mean, that's going to that's gonna take up a lot of time. <laughs> I wanted to kind of bring the listeners in on this entire story of, of you and actually how, how I kind of viewed it from an outsider's perspective. So Rob and I went to high school at Newark Catholic, which is to me, I consider it like a Friday nights, Friday night lights type of school. (laughs) 
And <laughs> I have never watched it either. That show, but everyone always told me no, that. No, Friday Night Lights is like, you know, high school football is the thing. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, it's like that's the that's what the whole school just revolved around is sports. Like such a great, like strong sports program. And I mean, I'm not sporty. I even played volleyball. I don't even know why. <laughs> I think it's just like it was in the air. But it was such a Friday Night Lights type of school. And uh, Rob was Rob was there playing playing football and won the nas- uh, national state championship in our division. Went on to Ohio State, which is just a huge football university. We did okay. We did yeah. okay. We should. We could have done better. Yeah, you guys we did okay. Done better. I don't know if that's how the world sees it. I'm pretty sure the world sees it. Like, especially the year that you were a senior, you guys won the national yeah. championship. You did the yeah. Rose Bowl. All we the whole close. thing, right? Well, we were second, but we were we were you know I mean we were close. It, it, it was a senior year was at Ohio State was probably one of the like one of those you know those times that you'll say like oh I you know it was one of the great years of my life, but it wasn't like like me like hanging out with like people it was like me in a film room with my coach yeah played like I remember that I I hardly remember the games my senior year because it was like you know Carrie like when you're you're, you know you're doing your thing within your you know up there you're just when you're in that moment and it's like you get down and, and you were up there for like 20 minutes and it seemed like a minute or something like that you don't even remember it that's kind of like what it felt like. But like Rob, in that moment, did you, were you able, even though you don't remember the actual games and whatever, did you know, like, this is the shit. Like I am living exactly what I wanted to do. Or in that moment, is it just too fast and you can't even process it that way? I finally felt like it all was clicking. Like it finally felt right. Like it just, it just, it didn't feel, um, and that's not like an, it was not, not, not to be not a cocky way or something like that, but like to, to finally connect with like a, de, like a defensive back coach. I had four defensive back coaches at Ohio State. And that was, so that's hard every, like every year trying to impress a new, you know, defensive back coach and stuff like that. And, and so I finally connected with the coach and, uh, um, oh, it's just, I mean, so many things like fell into place. I don't know how much of your career that you've shared with people. Um, a lot of this for me is going to be first time I've ever heard it, of course, because um, we haven't talked about this, but you had four different coaches. So every year, so freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, you're having to like yeah. kind of re-audition in a way. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, it was, and I'm, it's not a joke. Wow. I would say my freshman year, I thought I did not belong here. Yeah, I thought I went in there, you know, all, you know, all this, all that. And I was, I literally, I remember that's probably about the time I started seeing our therapist because I said, I, I'm never going to see the field. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know. Was it because your skill set or was it the uh, social like structure um, more so? You're still pretty pretty good athlete you know coming out of high school but you're I mean you you know when you go you're talking about a, a a full a full senior you know take a guy like Roger Harper for example that I played with it was about six four two two thirty five I was probably six one one eighty maybe mm-hmm. yeah okay so I mean and not only that it just uh 
the mentality, each, each level is just, a, you know, high school, college, huge, huge step up college pro. Uh, like, uh, like I, I couldn't even make that step up. I really couldn't, I couldn't find that. Could, I couldn't find the juice to make it work that way. It was a terrible situation. We always talk about how, like from an outsider's perspective, my life looks like a dream, you know? And, and Rob, honestly, I feel like being from Newark, being from Newark Catholic, knowing the small things that I knew about you, that's, that's a narrative that I never would have dreamed that was actually happening because it just looked like you, you had it all and you were on top and you're so talented and the timing was right. But it was it, was it the competitiveness of each step up that was the hard part? Mm. Like, was it because it's so competitive or? No, that's what it drove me. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Definitely the people are what drove me. When you have to go and, and guard a Joey Galloway one-on-one, when you have to, you know, Chris Sanders, these are guys that I played with that were like, I mean, I shouldn't even have been on the same field with them, but I had to be. It just made me get better. And, and so, I, you know, I stayed after. I, I I did the extra stuff like I did in high school, but I just kicked it up. Like, you know, I, you know, it didn't get hit me until about my junior year that I really needed to, you know, kick it to another level. Like if I'm going to, you know, keep, keep at this, I, I, I can't just, you know, do what everybody else is doing. And I kind of fell in that trap. And so, uh, you know, read, you know, kind of a, not a rededication, but a, a refocusing and all that kind of stuff. But that just never, um, never, it never kind of got that way in the NFL. I kind of got there and just stalled. And, um, and it just, I think the, the, the team I went to, um, the mentality there, and I think it just fed into this laissez-faire attitude. And I just really, uh, it, it's pain. I don't even really even think about my NFL career, to be honest with you. It's like the last thing that, this is probably the first time I've even talked about it with uh, anybody, um, because I really don't talk about it. Because I really don't care about it, to be honest with you. Well, Rob, honestly, when you said yes to this podcast, and then I asked you after you said yes, you know, what are the questions? Is there anything you want me to just stay away from asking you? And you're like, no, yeah. I'm good. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, I'm, I, I know that that's true because I do my homework <laughs> and there's just not a lot out there. And I know that... Um, People are curious. They are. They do want to know what that process is like. So I love and think it's so cool that you are in a space in your life and you know who you are and you know your story that in a sense that chapter is not important to you. Like everybody wants to think they know what someone's life should be and whatever. And it's kind of like when Carrie and I first reconnected and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you've traveled the world. And she's like, yeah, but you have four kids and I want a baby. Like everybody's journey and story is their own. And like, you look at that time and you're like, you know what? Like that wasn't the highlight of my life. I know what the highlight of my life was. And like, it could be right now. It's probably the first time someone's actually got it right that that Kelly you really got it right that it really um other than to say honestly it just wasn't it just was a vehicle at that moment it was just it was I worked really 
really hard to get to where I, I you know, got to. Um, I, I was gifted, um, but I didn't take that for granted. And um, I knew when I knew what it took to get to where I wanted to get to, I went all out. High school wasn't about partying for me. And um, for, I didn't go out and I didn't do stuff. I was probably a little bit more nerdy than I was like anything. Well, I definitely didn't perceive you as nerdy. That's for sure. I perceived myself as nerdy. Well, you were. Uh, no, I did God, because no. I was, you know, I looked like I was 12 when I was in high school. I wish that I was nerdy. <laughs> I wish I was nerdy. Things would have been a lot, you know, I mean, some things would have been a lot easier. Listen, if you're, if you're like the, if you're like the football guy and you're Catholic, no matter what, that's like, that's what people see you as because it's such a sports focused school and it was such a small community. And, but no, I didn't know how you lived your days in your life. You know, your junior, senior year, I, we just have our perceptions. There's times I feel bad for, for that person. Um, because I wish someone wouldn't have kept telling him he was an average student. I wish someone wouldn't have just let him kept slipping, like sliding by sometimes. And I wish someone would have said, Hey, this isn't good enough. You know, like you need to do better instead of, you know, saying your football, blah, blah, blah. That's the most important thing. Oh, you know, no one, no one said that to me. No, you know what I mean? But I, I, I kind of wish someone would have would have pulled me to the side and said, you know, this isn't going to last forever. You know, what is what's, what are you going to do? What are you what are you going to do mm. afterwards? You know, it was never, ever that was never, ever discussed with anybody. Just I'm talking about like, you know, anybody and, you know, not my parents, you know, I mean, my parents had questions and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, sure. Yeah. Like general public and stuff like that, you know. Absolutely. Like no one, we, we've talked about this before, Kelly, professional athletes, professional dancers, in a lot of ways, it's the same. I had the same problem when I was, yeah. I'm not really retired. I just did a commercial <laughs> when I was dancing, but you know, there's this, like, there's this death that occurs in you yeah. when you retire from something that you love that you can't do forever. Hey, well, That's what I experienced, right, you know, I'm dating, um, someone who was a pro hockey player and now he's the goalie coach for the Detroit Red Wings hearing you say this like I have said to him like because the main goalie I don't know if you say main goalie the goalie retired for the Red Wings um last year and this is why Carrie and I have talked about this before because it's like okay what now I mean I I don't know how old he is for sure I bet like 35 or something but it's like okay you spend your whole life I mean, your whole life doing one thing, working for one thing, going in at seven and being there until 11 o'clock at night for eight months a year, however long. And then like, it's all of a sudden over. And I think it's really crazy that there isn't a game plan. Like there, you're right. There's no outside person in those people's lives saying like, okay, let's start thinking about in five years when hockey's over or in five years when football's over. And I also feel like I have so much respect for the fact that you said in high school, like, I wish someone had said, no, like, you're not just an average student. You're not like, it is so true that I think people kind of zone you into that thing because you were naturally gifted. But then when that ends, after you put all of your heart and soul and 
I mean, that's mind, body, soul for de- a decade at least, right? Or two decades. And then what happens after that? That's a big transition. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a knock on anybody, um, to be honest with you. It's just one of those things that, you know, you look back on life and it's just, um, you know, in that time period, um, you know, priorities. What were people's priorities, you know, back then to keep, you know, me on the field or um, to keep me happy or, uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, it's something that it takes a long time to look back on and think, and think to yourself, like, you know, I, I wish I would have been pushed just a little bit harder. Do you feel like there is one lesson that you took from all of that that you're trying to pour into your kids now? Yeah. I think I'm trying to do less. I think I'm trying to say less. I think I'm trying to be more quiet. I think I'm trying to listen more. I think I'm trying to like hear what they're saying instead of what I'm saying. You know, I think I finally have gotten that like I don't have all the answers. My son has taught me that. I I don't have all the answers. You know, it's hard for me to come on an interview like this because the the injured part of my brain wants to just keep kind of going on and on and on. And so I have to try and stop myself. You know, I wouldn't say there's, there's, there's days or, or, you know, times that go by that, you know, that we, or I don't struggle. That would be insane to say that. I think we're a, a normal, healthy family going through, um, what normal, healthy people do. And I think that we come to resolutions instead of, you know, leaving things up in the air or questions and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I didn't have grown up, you know, open conversation and with my parents and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I did, we just, I've discussed this with them, you know, I, I, I'm embracing these times and embracing this different conversation I can have with my son and daughter. Yeah. I, I always felt growing up that that was, that that was just my family because, you know, Asian people are so non-communicative. And then as I grew up, I realized that so many of my friends, it doesn't matter what your background is that, you know, it could be a generational thing too, because my family, like my parents have a hard time communicating. You say that yours does too. Um, Kelly, does that, does that resonate with you? (laughs) Oh yes. Let me tell you. Um, for sure. I mean, my, um, you know, my parents, my mom has been sick for a super, super long time and, um, you know, addicted to multiple pain meds and just a lot of, a ton of struggles. And I feel like it's kind of a non-conversation oddly enough. Like my dad is amazing. He's an amazing caregiver. Like he is a total kick-ass person. And my mom's amazing too, but I feel like we don't, it's not, there's no conversation around it. If we approach the conversation at all, it's just like totally shut off. Um, And I think that's to protect him and his heart and how, what he's doing to survive, I think kind of. Um, But I think in general, we're not great communicators because if there's an elephant in the room and you can't talk about that, then it's hard to talk about everything. So, I mean, definitely, I think I have a great relationship with them and they, 
check on the kids and especially my dad and my dad and I text about and talk about running all the time and like how far we ran and things like that. But like, we don't deep dive into conversation. I'm sorry to hear that Kelly too. (laughs) That's a bummer. No, thank you. Yeah, it is a bummer. I mean, listen, she, there's no coming back at this point. You know what I mean? Like her, she's just here. And sometimes you just enter her world in a little bit of a way to like, still kind of have a relationship. Um, but I can't say like my dad has given up so much in order to do the things that he needs to, to take care of her. And I just think he's incredible and amazing for doing it. Um, but that's probably also why he runs like 20 miles a day. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's his sanitizer, but Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I have a million questions, but I'm going to try to control myself. The op-ed that your wife wrote, which which I read at the time, actually, obviously you just opened up and you're that is so vulnerable, but you did it because you wanted to hopefully help other people. I'm I'm thinking, I think I read that somewhere. How are you doing just your own health? Mentally, physically, um, you know, I'm I'm doing a lot better. I try to be on a schedule with myself where I'm you know, I do my hiking and my walking every day. I do my push-ups every day. I do my my meditation. I do my frequency music uh, listening. I've kind of still adopted that that schedule like um, thing that's kept me going that that I'm used to. You know, and um, that goes from like you know high school on. You know, you knew, you know, from you know six a.m. till nine p.m. what you were gonna do every day, pretty much. Mm. Always found that I, I work best when I have some sort of schedule to the day. Okay. Yeah. That's structure. We're outside with the kids where they're like, they're like, they love to fish. They're catch and release kids. They're, they're, they're very gentle souls. So I so much of my day um, is taken up by, you know, part of their magic. You know, they're, they're just, they're just amazing. They reminded me a lot of how I grew up with my brother, uh, Tom, we just doing stuff constantly, um, together, even though one's a boy and one's a girl, it doesn't matter. They do stuff together. They go play with the same best friend together. Uh, they're inseparable and, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's really, um, it's probably why I'm partly why I'm still here. You know, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've had those struggles. That's something that's in my past. Does dark days happen? Yeah, but you know what? I try and remember these beautiful days when those days happen. Yeah. So you sound. I try. You sound. Um. You sound like you're doing great. I'm really. I'm really. Yeah. You know, it's like it's one of these things. It's weird because we're not really close friends, but since I've just known you for over twenty. 30 years like I'm just proud of you even though I don't Um, you know isn't that weird to you guys that you could feel that mm. in your heart and it's not even like we were that what do you this is why I'm here this is why I'm here I mean the moment I you know I mean I heard from you after um the article yeah and uh, um you know I, I just wasn't 
you know, in a good spot, in a space with anybody to converse and stuff like that. But I was very excited to hear that, you know, we were going to get able to connect again. And, and um, so I was like, of course, I was like, I'm kind of interested to hear what they want to talk about. because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was listening to some of the podcasts and I could talk about natural birth if you want to. I mean, you know... Uh, we've had we've had a couple of those at home. I've, oh, I've that's amazing! Caught, I caught my son, so I was kind of it was kind of interesting. But this is you know it's it's always fun to catch up. And I you know I'm sorry if you know for the rambles and stuff like that, but that's who I am. That's what you get. You kind of decipher it. Oh, don't worry. People people who don't even have a good reason ramble on this podcast, and then I have to edit everything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a fun with time with this. Oh, don't worry. I had, like, the worst editing was when um, Kelly had on a bunch of friends of her dude, and they were talking about dating. That was, like, an editing nightmare. Three guys, and they were all talking oh. at once. <laughs> I'm trying my best. No, you're doing amazing. Okay, so this, mm-hmm. as a dancer, as a as an athlete myself, this is... This is what I was thinking when you were talking about like how hard it was when you're at Ohio State to like basically re-audition for the coach every year and then trying to make that transition mm-hmm. into pro life and you didn't feel like you got that click where it clicked. Yeah. So for me, we all have our weakness in our skill set. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, my weakness in my skill set is is upper body strength. I'm an aerialist. That's problematic. Wow. You know, like I don't build my body does not build strength easily. So I'm fighting it all the Mm -hmm. time and I'm doing my best, Mm -hmm. but my body's fighting me in other places. I really like, it's easy for me to thrive. You know, like I can dance up there musicality. I know how to do a lot of things, but that one thing, right? So when you're saying that it was just so hard sometimes, and you have to work so much harder than sometimes the guys next to you, what was that thing? Because you're obviously gifted. Like, what was the thing that was just so natural for you? And then what was the thing that was, I guess you could call it a weakness that you just had to work on constantly as a player? You know, I, I, I don't think at that level anybody really has weaknesses anymore. I think it's basically what you do is you take your strengths and you see which one of those can you, you know, push to the next level. Okay. So you kind of gauge your situation of, you know, my position. Well, what, what do I need the most? And uh, my, my thing I needed the most was speed. Okay. And so, um, that's where, you know, strength wise, I was strong, strong enough, you know, just strong enough. I, I like, I, you know, I have real long arms and stuff like that. So bench pressing and all that stuff, I wasn't like a big bench presser and all that kind of stuff, but, um, I have really strong legs there and, and just, I just try to develop my zero to 10 and 15 and then 40 degree quickness, uh, as, as much as I could throughout. That's what I figured the thing I needed to work on the most is if I could, you know, get my speed and that way I could really play with everybody. I could, if I could get my speed up to that level, then I could play and be effective. And once I got to that, speed level i was effective and it took me that long okay took me a long time well and then yeah. and then from from high school to college to pro that coaching staff did it was there anybody that was like blowing your mind that was like oh my god like they said something to you and then it really clicked like what was that like to go through all those stages and to be coached by different people and to it was tough yeah 
Yeah, it's tough because, you know, I mean, uh, um, I'm, I'm not your typical free safety, if you can imagine that. Forgive me. I'm not, I don't not like know a lot of about football. So, but the listeners will. So forgive me. I'm going to ask some pretty stupid questions probably. <laughs> no, it's, it's not real stupid, but I'm not your typical free safety, maybe strong safety that goes up in the box and like, he's more like a linebacker. I'm more like speed and like in the, like just tries to roam the back. I was put into some really bad positions once I got into the NFL to basically where they flipped my position. Like I somehow tried to, to become a strong safety and it just, uh, it was really bad coaching and stuff like that. But mm. the whole uh, Ohio state thing, it was just really tough because it was in front of like everybody every year, every year after probably my sophomore year going into my junior year, you know, I started playing it, but it was like, I'd go in and I'd come out and like, you know, my coach kind of, you know, believed in me and, I, but didn't fully, you know what I mean? He didn't fully believe in really anybody. It was a lot of people going in and out. And and then it wasn't until my senior year that I finally got a coach, John Tenuta, that came in and was like, you're starting. I've watched the film. You can do the job. Don't worry about anything else. And, and uh, literally that changed my life. Mm. It gave me that confidence again in myself that I had lost and that, that no one was able to help me regain uh, my, my strength and conditioning coach was, was pretty good at that, but I, I needed someone to help me to do that. And this coach really brought me back out again, uh, a new me and a uh, better me and all this kind of stuff. And it was a really great time. It was a really fun, like I said, it was, it was a really fun time year because I spent a lot of time just with him. Um, hanging out in a, in the coaching room, watching mm-hmm. film and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And as a professional athlete, it's kind of like, I just wonder what is that jockeying like in, in college and in pro, because I, the only thing I can compare it to is Hollywood, like the amount of political stuff going on that one person's uh, getting a gig, but you didn't get it. But why, you know, <laughs> like the amount of jockeying that I do in my industry, I can't even imagine what it's like in the pro NFL world because yeah. there's the trading because, you know, everybody knows, well, our, to our podcast listeners spent four years with the New Orleans saints. And then, then you were, with the Patriots for that. one year. Yeah. yeah. How does that, how did that transition happen? And, and was that exciting? Was that sad? Like, how do you view that time? Well, you know, it was four miserable years, literally At, um, in New Orleans, okay. in New Orleans. It wasn't, I'm until, sorry to hear that. No, it's, 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 it is what it is. It's not, it's, it's look at life is really, really good right now. So I'm not, I'm just, just being honest about how things were, but it was a learning time. You know, I, I can't say that my life wouldn't be as good as it is right now. If it wouldn't have been as bad as it was then. Basically, it was four years down in New Orleans, and I had opportunities um, after I was done in New Orleans. Actually, I flew to Seattle and met with Mike Holmgren and all this kind of stuff and had a contract in my hand and 
I just remember going back to the hotel and, and I just remember calling them up and calling my agent. I just said, my heart is not into this. And I told my, I promised myself when my heart wasn't into it that I would not play. And uh, so that year I took off and I had opportunities even during that year to come back and one being with the Patriots and they won the Super Bowl that year. So I, you know, even with that, I, I just, I still didn't really bother me because I, 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 all of a sudden, sometimes you just see things and it just, yeah, clarity, uh, yeah, everything's, clarity. everything's, everything's, yeah, clarity, things start to work out. You know, all of a sudden, all those things that you're like, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? You know, it's like, why, why, why? And then it's like, oh. And, and so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sign a year with the Patriots. Um, you know, I feel good, you know, but I wasn't, I, I honestly, I look back on the time and I even told my dad this and, um, I've never told anybody this, but I, I wasn't, I shouldn't have, um, signed a contract. I wasn't ready. Um, you know, and this is me being honest with myself. I wasn't a hundred percent, you know, ready to go. And it's just, it's one of those things that I've had to become honest with myself after all these years and just be and say like, Oh man, I wish I could just say, I was, I apologize, but I think I, I really worked hard, but I didn't, I don't think I worked as hard as I should have like to like to, or even earn the opportunity to be on the field, you know what I mean? And so I ended up going into training camp and, and, and uh, you know, I uh, got this thing called brachial plexus palsy in my right shoulder. And so I had to retire. And um, so I don't know if that was a, a a lesson or a, you know, a, a warning or, or something, but uh, um, I just, I shouldn't have been on the field. You feel weird to say that. You feel like you shouldn't have been on the field because you were in a place where you could get injured because you weren't in the right mind space. Is that? No, I think I was in the right mind space. I wasn't in the, in the right body space. I see. Like, you know, I, I, I like, I, I didn't do enough. Like I, I look back on it now. Like, okay, if, if you ever want to feel bad about any kind of career, watch that Bulls uh, thing on Netflix about Michael Jordan talking about winning, like, after, like, he's not satisfied after, like, number four. Like, I felt I like watching, after I watched that series. The Last Dance? I finally, the Last Dance on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. After I watched that, I, I really became honest with myself about, about, times in my life where I didn't work as hard as that because I should have or I could have you know what I mean I took for granted my abilities okay from an outsider's perspective what I'm imagining too you're a professional athlete professional athletes don't have super long careers anyway so there had to be a pressure to re-up right like that is real I I can't assume it wouldn't be that you're just coming off four years off of one team. I mean, how many players actually take time off between not very many, I would assume, even though I don't really know. My agent um, told me I was crazy, but I, you know, I, I had to convince him that this was, you know, my plan the whole, the whole time. And um, I think he got it. You know, uh, you know, I think he got me and that's why he was my agent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But, uh, um, uh, you're definitely, and then, you know, even when you pull the trigger, you have those years where you know everything's fine, but then it, it eventually catches up to you where you're like, all of a sudden you're twiddling your thumbs and you're like, what, what, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. 
big time. It was your passion just not there because it was just unrelentless that, you know, like that schedule going from high school to college to pro. I mean, there's no time to heal it's, your body, right? No, it's relentless. Yeah. It's, 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 it's all day. It's, um, you know, you get one day off and this is, this is when I played, but, uh, you, you know, if, if you weren't at the facility on that day off, if you weren't, you know, seen watching film, uh, you probably weren't going to see much playing time unless you were like a big time star or something like that, you know, and I was fighting for time and yeah. playing mostly special teams and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm in there every, you know, every day at like five 30 and getting out at like, you know, but it was, you know, getting out at like seven, I wouldn't, I don't go to that extent to sit there and try and impress the coach. You know what I mean? You can only sit there and watch so much film in one day and call, call it a day. But you know, some people, you know, love to be there from four in the morning till midnight. And, and then it just becomes, you know, uh, yeah. do you want to just tear your hair out? I mean, that's just so mentally relentless, unrelentless. Go ahead, Kelly. Jeff, who is my boyfriend, his son plays on a travel baseball team. Long, long story that I'm going around about way, but one of the kids on the team, Anthony Schwegel, I don't know if I'm even saying it right. Schwegel, he played for Ohio State. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he just got hired as the strength and conditioning coach. And maybe I'm not saying that right for the Jaguars, Urban Meyer brought him uh-huh. and he came home to a baseball game a couple weeks ago. And he was saying they're like in Florida right now training and it's not even training camp. I don't think, but that he's like, you can see these rookies like breaking down. Like it's like push, push, push Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like all day hard. And he's like, by the end of like Thursday, they're just like mentally, you can see them breaking. And then it's just another day of like pushing harder. I feel like that's, I'm sure that's what all professional sports are like, but for sure football. Yeah. It's funny. You just made me think back to my rookie year uh, with the saints, which with, with uh, Mike Ditka, which, you know, is like as old school coach as you can get. So like we, when you get a new coach, you can back then you could have three days. <laughs> we did, man. They call it shells in the morning. We just wear shoulder pads and like helmet, and then we'd go like full pads there on out. Literally went all day, and I uh, all day hard. And you can't uh, imagine the hours of film that, that that I've watched of football. That that it's just a practice. Like the amount of practice film that I've watched, it's insanity. Rob, I just feel like from an outsider's perspective, I just feel like what you had just said, no matter what, you're being hard on yourself because basically you go from high school and I know what that environment was like. You, you were still on that schedule. You were trying to be on, on point all the time into Ohio State, which is a huge program, obviously. And then going to pro, you have that schedule. There's no break. And then, you know, what has been become very public is, is concussions. So you're not just mentally drained from the schedule and the commitment of it and the just the relentlessness of that, the, what the sport brings, but then you're getting physically hit. I don't know how many times a week. 
a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm the. It's so funny that I'm doing this interview because I know nothing about football. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, it's so different nowadays. Which I, you know, I mean, it, it's you know, I wouldn't be playing if I knew what I know. You know, anyway, but I'm just saying, it's, you know, they I don't think they they don't hit you know as often as I mean, we we really would hit like three times a week at least, you know, like full go and stuff like that. But they don't. I don't even think they do that once a week now, or you know, barely go full pads and stuff like that. So I, I, I honestly, I haven't watched a football game. I have no idea who plays for Ohio State, who coaches Ohio State. I literally. I've literally broken away from that um, because I found after I watched it, I, um, it just became like mm-hmm. traumatic. I can imagine. I would see a guy get hit and then like it, it started to become more real for me. It started to become, Oh my God, that dude's got like a wife or like a, like a girlfriend or, a, you know, parents at home that are like sitting there and they don't know that even though he's getting up right now, he's forever altered right now. Doesn't mean he's, you know, going to CTE will be big on his list, but he's, his chances now are greatly in, you know, enhanced. Anybody that plays football knows that now we all know that. So it just became more of a traumatic thing for me. And, 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 and almost like TV became traumatic. So I just, I, I literally just shut myself off from it. And like I said, I found, found more positive ways of, of living life, you know, going about my day, as they say. From every person, there's a lesson, right? Um, and I think from you for myself personally, like regardless of the story and the, you know, people wanting to be you because you got that opportunity, like you have so come to a place of presence and figuring out what's really important to you and kind of shutting shutting everything else out you've had a way to figure out in life um how to put all of that aside and i think that's something that a lot of people aren't amazing at i think people can get caught up in the noise caught up in the voices in their head caught up in the news caught up in um all of those things and you're living a life that you probably were destined to live in a lot of ways that's far from maybe you know, where your story started. I can't, I can't say at times it wasn't lonely. Um, uh, but that's okay. You know, like I, I'm fine with that. And, um, I think that's, 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 that's one of the things I've come that I'm more at peace with myself than I ever was. You know, I was, I think when you grow up in, in Newark, Ohio, you're constantly under the microscope. And then when you go to Ohio State, you're even under a bigger microscope. Luckily, like I didn't have that social, like I said, the social media microscope, but I mean like, you know, any tackle you miss, any anything you do wrong, I mean, it's everyone knows about it. And it's say I don't I don't know if I could have lasted in this in, in this atmosphere of of this quick judgment and the the social media presence of everything it's just it's there's got to be so much pressure on these on on you know dancers performers people because everybody if you put yourself out there like you know I, i've done it before and i just i just don't do it anymore but 
Yeah, it's a whole different ball game with this social media. This whole social media thing would be really, really hard to be in any. I don't even know if I'd want to play at sports these days. I don't know if the times were perfect when we were growing up. It felt okay. It felt. I'm pretty sure everybody cared about us and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that was just my experience. Seeing my daughter do Zoom for a whole year, you know, 14. It's just been so weird. So hard, just, you know, so hard for her to have to deal with, see her struggling, you know, uh, with it. And I've just been like, I've tried to think of myself to put myself in her shoes. And yeah. And I think that that's where, and I think what we'll come back to is the move on part from sports is that I've, I have three great kids and I can focus, you know, for the last 14 years, I've been able to sit there and just focus all my love and attention on them. That's amazing. Yeah, very fortunate. So I think I found a way of protecting myself um, by I didn't, I, I wasn't really close with a lot of people. You know, there wasn't, think if I felt like if I kept some distance and I, and I kind of like when I left Newark, it was kind of an easy thing to do just because when I let people in to me, I don't always know what's up. I've, so I've always just tried to keep the people I know, you know, tight and close to me. Um, so that can also be a dagger, you know, because some people can see that as, um, I don't know, um, run, not, not running away from, but like, Oh, Newark, I, oh, I don't need to go back to Newark, but it's, it's so, it's so not that it's so, uh, I appreciate, you know, everything that Newark was and taught me and, was a part of my life, but that's just what it was. It was just a part of my life. And um, the people that, you know, that were in my life, they're no, I know me and they know I love them and I'm in contact with people and stuff like that. But uh, I've, I've probably been a little bit more quiet than, I don't know. Than, and I think maybe that might rub people some like, like. Yeah, it makes sense because, you know, you need to protect yourself. And I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of, uh, celebrities i don't know if you'd call yourself that in a way in a kind of are you kidding me i mean i feel like uh, no you know i don't really mean it mean it like you're not kim kardashian obviously but people know you may not even know who kim kardashian is (laughs) yeah you might not know who that is can you mention my name in the same name as kim kardashian (laughs) Are you serious? No, I know you're not like that, but what I'm saying is no, I'm just kidding. the word I'm just kidding. the word celebrity <laughs> is kind of like loose, right? Because people know who you are, obviously. They, maybe they did. I mean, like, <laughs> they might they might they might remember after this podcast posted. I mean like but like I mean come on. It's like this is like No, you're living off the grid. I get it. But people who people care this is, but this is like, this happened in like my last game in, in 1997 at Ohio State and 1992 at, in New at Newark, I mean, like that 1991 actually, pretty much. So I mean, that was like a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, like I hardly remember it. To be honest with you, people come up and they're like, "Oh man," and I'm like, "Oh, this is not gonna go well." When they start with the, "Do you remember?" I'm <laughs> like, "No, dude, I don't remember." <laughs> Like, it might have been the coolest thing in the world, but I don't remember. I think I know where you're going to go, Carrie, with the celebrity thing, and I'll just touch on it really quick because I because I also am a celebrity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I feel like... Oh, wow. I'm honored. I feel like the word lonely. So 
you know, I have a job that I travel and I have a region. So normally I have like Ohio, Michigan to North Dakota, South Dakota. And there's like, you know, 4,000 to 10,000 people that I go around and train and interact with and follow me on social media. And a couple years ago, I was at like a developmental training coaching thing. And they asked, what is one word that would describe you that people wouldn't attach to you? Like an adjective or a word. And I said the word lonely. And I said, mm. I'm probably the loneliest person you've ever met. Now my life has mm. changed mm. In, the, in a lot of ways because at the time I was like- and It's very honest. Yeah, I was divorced at the time. And I felt like, you know, I I teach dance, I travel, I- appear to be very like social and have a million people. But all of that was, I don't know if surface relationships is the right word. None of it was a real relationship. Like I could go on stage and talk in front of 500 people, but I was still going to the hotel room by myself and ordering room service and watching law and order SUV by myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't have real like any real relationships. It's interesting that you say lonely. And I think you said in a sense that you did that, you created that for yourself because you wanted to keep the people that you really knew were real around yourself in those moments when you were playing at Ohio State and you didn't have all of these relationships. So at times it felt lonely. But I think that the outside perception for professional dancers or celebrities or professional athletes or college athletes is that they like are living the dream, have this amazing moment, are getting the girls doing all the things. But I think when you are at the peak of something like that, or at the peak of a career or a sport, that it can be super lonely. And I don't think people realize that. Well, you know, it's, I don't know. I think some people are, are more, are better suited at it than others. Um, I think some people really, uh, you know, I've, I've seen like, you know, guys, you know, just take to it and I'm just like, Oh my God, it just, it, it almost makes me want to like, like vomit. It, it's not that I'm private because I'm pretty open if you want to ask me questions, but um, you know, my circle, uh, I probably can count on for, for sure one hand, probably how many times I drank in, in college. You know, I was, I drove home to, to Newark every weekend and stayed with my, with my mom and my dad. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I wasn't like out partying and stuff. Like I did literally after the games, I, I would drive back to Newark. I'd go watch my brother play or, uh, you know, then when it was basketball, watch him play basketball or watch my, you know, younger sister play basketball, uh, Meg. And so I, I don't know. I just, and Newark, Newark was good to me in that way. There wasn't all, no, everybody let me do my thing. Um, uh, it's not it's nothing that like, you know, Newark was, Oh, you know, it's like I, I was hounded. Uh, it was never anything like that. I, I just don't think I had developed uh, you know, meaningful things that like a lot like people have that they can go back and, you know, have a beer with. So, you know, I don't drink, I don't, I've, you know, um, that's a big thing for me. I'm 11 years sober. Um, uh, that was, uh, you know, coming out of that article was, uh, um, I didn't know how big of a thing that was like not having that in my life, how lucky I was not to have that in my life growing up. Um, because it would have been a disaster for me.
like an absolute, I see it. I saw it. Um, and I see now, um, 11 years that, uh, you know, I've been sober. It's been the most amazing 11 years of my life. And I couldn't imagine it's just me. I, I, I couldn't do that waking up in the morning at, at six with the baby, you know, that I, that I was able to do at five thirty and, you know, bounce her, bounce him and just be there, you know, be there, like really be there. Um, I was very fortunate that I was able to get out of the game when I did. When you were for my life, too. when you were getting out, did you feel, did you feel the stuff? How much did you know what was going on in your brain at that time? I knew it definitely wasn't helping because I was doing some really crazy shit. Very, very dark, very, uh, um, you know, very, I shouldn't be here, you know, which is why I'm very, uh, um, I got a real big smile on my face today because I'm very happy um, because I shouldn't be here. Really, I did some really dumb stuff, mostly driven by alcohol. You know, I had a little confrontation with my dad one night and stuff like that. Big wake-up call, you know, like, you know, the, I have a family. You know, this is a long time ago, um, you know, for 11 years ago, over 11 years ago, which, you know, I had a, a relapse, so it should be 14 years, so... I had some people finally in my in my life that stood up to me and said, no, you got a problem. Like, no, you've got to face something. No. And, you know, and just like what I did with everything, I wish somebody would have told me earlier in, in life because I did something about it. When someone told me about it, when someone told me to fix this, I fixed it. Once I made that conscious decision that this was going to end and, you know, I was starting a new chapter in my life, it was easy. Yeah, and that's just, I speak, you know, for myself. And, um, God, I'm so lucky. Wow, your story is incredible. You know, I was thinking before we got on here, and I almost Googled it because I was like, has he been on Real Sports? <laughs> you know, Brian Gumbel's show. Yeah. Oh my God. If they want to drive down their viewership, they could have me on. But I mean, because everybody would be like, why are they having this bum on here? We've heard this story before. <laughs> it's cool because we know each other and, like, you know, we both know, like, what it takes to get, like, to, like, if. Are you talking you about you and have, Brian Gumble? No, let me talk about you and Carrie. You and oh. I. Talking about, you know, because <laughs> I know Brian. I want to be invited. I'm talking too. about you and no, actually now I'm talking about you and Brian Gumble and not on your <laughs> uh, No, but that that what it takes to get out of Newark, you say, but it's not like it's not like you went and you put your, your middle finger up. It was just that time in my life, and like I don't know what it was about it, but it made me it made me better. Did you feel that in high school? Did you feel like I gosh, like I really am not going to be here? Like this is just like a stopping ground. Um, or did you? What did you? What did, where were you at? Mentally? So you know, my family was really different because I'm curious. I'm, I'm a first generation Asian American, so that means my parents were born and raised in a different country, and they ended up in Newark, Ohio, because my dad. I, I don't know if you know this, but he he had a cardiology um, private practice in Newark. And, you know, my dad's a retired doctor. And so they went to Newark. I don't know what brought them there. I have to ask my parents at some point. But they had this booming business. It was never in the culture of my family that we were supposed to stay there. Uh 
I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like it was. Or like carry on what your father had started. Like that wasn't like, uh, that wasn't like beholden. No. Well, I think my dad wanted to us to be doctors because he wanted, he thought that was yeah. a really secure way to have a job, you know, or be a lawyer sure. or something. It was very Asian, you know, doctor or lawyer. That's all you have <laughs> to choose from. But there was, there was never like in the summers, my parents would send me off to camp at like, Georgetown University and they would send me to New York oh, City wow. when I was in high school I went to three different wow. summer camps all on the east coast they were gonna send me away to college you know like Harvard if I could get in which I, I did not get into Harvard <laughs> I am not my grades were not that good but I ended up going to a college that was really international so it, it wasn't it wasn't, that wasn't what was in my family's culture. So it wasn't that weird to me that I ended up leaving Newark. Mm -hmm. My parents are now in Charleston. My sister lives in DC. She has a really big corporate job. My brother lives in Honolulu. Yeah. You still have a lot of roots in Newark. But I, but I do, but that's just my personality. I'm just kidding. No, 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 I do though. Like you you do. Wow. Kelly, Kelly's, we danced together when we were kids and, and we reconnected. It's interesting. I would never want to live there again because I can't have my career there. Actually, I can't have my career yeah. almost anywhere, which makes it hard to leave LA. Yeah. I have a lot of roots there because I really care about those people. I just don't want to live in that space. I get, gotcha. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it's just, I think it's a, when we came to play the Broncos, we were out here, it was a preseason game. And I just remember um, being able to look out, at the, out pretty much at the mountains I'm looking at right now, but I was in Denver and, um, and I just said to myself one day, I will, I'm going to live there. I just know it. And um, I don't know. It's been like that all my life. I've just told myself, like, you know, I, like when I was in high school, my mom would always say, you know, like, Rob, get back in there and study. Get back in there and study. You know, and I'd be like, Mom, Mom, everything's all right. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna put. And I swear to God, I'd say I was going to play in the NFL and all this kind of stuff. And she would be like, you know, rolling her eyes. But like, it was hard to get me back into my bedroom to study. You know, like because I had like ADD, like crazy. Like I'd go in there and sit down and try and like open a book, and it would be like, you know. I couldn't remember if I read that first sentence. You know what I mean? I wouldn't remember, you know. Same. My parents weren't sending me to camp and I wasn't going to Georgetown or Harvard. I, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, we're talking about different levels of like, I have like, it was crazy for me, but uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Right, you threw me up there now. I'm going to try to where we were going here. Well, I said you were a celebrity. You got mad at me. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> no, but people know your story, though. So you, that's just funny. You know, people want to hear from you, and I think also because, and I know that without knowing, right? Because I know our hometown, and I know Ohio. Is is there a reason why there's not like? Did you turn down journalists coming to ask you questions? Did did you go through a period of that, or? as an NFL player, there's just so many of you that that doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I just think I wasn't that good. Well, how do you get recruited by the Patriots and not be that good? I don't know. I, you know, to be honest with you, I've always like said that my time in football has always felt like I was, you know, I said this coming out, I was like a drummer in like a real famous band, you know, like everybody, nobody knows who the drummer is. I mean, like most of the time, but like I'm in the background, 
the only time you saw me was when I made a mistake because usually they scored a touchdown. Like if I didn't make that tackle or something mm. like that. So, you know, it is my job is on TV. That's a tough job because you know, if you miss that tackle, you know, you know, you've got a lot of people back home that are talking about oh, it. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. And Right, right, rightly so. You know, if you're out there on the field, you should be making those tackles. Well, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it's like that does suck because you're only successful if if the other team isn't successful. That's yeah, that's hard because you're not the one scoring the goal. Oh, I mean, when you're the it's defense, you know, it's like we had no idea what the offense was doing. So like we're not sitting there putting points on the board. We're just trying to stop points getting put on the board but you know looking back on it all it was just so it was so much work yeah i can't believe like how how much work we were able you know like the body was able to go through i just try and take care of my body because i know it's it's been abused and i don't even know where who knows where where this mine will be in 10 years you know i don't know so i'm just trying to maximize every moment i can i wonder where a lot of guys are at, you know, the guys I've had contact with, you know, it's hard to stay in contact with. And, um, and I know why, cause none of us want to talk about like the struggle cause we're all going through it. I mean, I don't care if you played, um, in college or in the NFL or, you know, just in high school or eighth, you know, or, you know, even girls played volleyball and had spikes to the head and, it's it's a rampant thing that we don't talk about is is this mental aspect that a lot of us are dealing with these mental health aspects and it's a wide spectrum of problems that 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 we're going through because of hits to the head. I think if you ask me how I feel um, after you know when that article, I feel kind of still helpless. I feel kind of hopeless because it still happens the story is there and it and it's more of a warning than than anything but it's not to say that i'm anti-fun i'm just trying to tell you that there's a there's a really strong chance of something happening and like i said the spectrum is like so wide that you know we don't know what we attribute to these things you know, nowadays, but man, it just, I wouldn't, I keep, I always come back to the thing that I wouldn't wish, um, even with, you know, all of my good days, I wouldn't wish what I've gone through, what my family's gone through on, on anybody. It's not a fun place to always be in, to, to not to, to, to be in at times, uh, especially when it's dark this uh um this space of tightness where you don't want to reach out you know what i mean you want to just keep it inside still i think that's something i still struggle with you know i've connected with a lot of ex-players you know we just we really still struggle with communication if we all communicate more about things man life might be like a whole lot better and a whole lot different i don't know it's uncomfortable because there's a lot of money involved yeah and there's a lot of and there's a lot of love involved, you know, a lot of people's jobs are involved. And then it's like, I, I understand that, but man, I also wish that people could have, you know, sometimes a little bit of vision and I'm not, I'm not alone. 
you know, I speak to guys on the phone, I email, I, I chat, and and I don't get to do it often enough because people, and I'm talking about guys that made $20 million are broke. They're, you know, they're, they're alone. They don't want to reach out. There's, I'm not just saying that that's everyone. I'm saying there's a lot of dudes out there that are still won't reach out. And, you know, we won't talk about any of this. And that's why I try and sit there and just, just say as much as I can about like, yeah, the beforehand, because man, if there was something I could have done about this beforehand and, you know, like, you know, uh, my parents, you know, included, we would have, but I don't know. Is CTE something that, you know, that they can diagnose with this measure and that measure? Not living. No. Oh. Not living. Not, no, not, not living yet. You know, the big study, the Dr. Ann McKay or McKee, I think her name was, was they did, I think it was 111 brains of NFL players and 110 that tested positive. And you're talking so about cadavers, like cadavers, cadavers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Post, post. Yeah. So didn't donated brains. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, see what the future holds as far as, as, uh, who knows, either medically or spiritually or, or something's going to open up and, uh, this won't be, this, this will hopefully not be something that will be a big hump in my life. I feel like you're going to be the next greener grass podcaster. <laughs> what? I feel you're going to be our next host. Like you could be a host oh. so easily. Oh, please. <laughs> this is just fun talking. It's just fun. No, I, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're having fun. I'm having, I'm having an amazing time just because like, I'm just so deeply touched by your story and that you'll, that you're so open about it. It just makes, it just, it just really touches me. And you know, well, it would be inauthentic. It would, it wouldn't be right to tell everybody, you know, back home, or you know, if there are people who are going to hear this, you know, what what's not really going on, or yeah, you know, what's not real. It's because that's that's who I am, and it's like it's it's not like take it or leave it, but that's pretty much what it is. It's not like like a, a anything other than this is just the way I live my life. You know, I've always done this, you know, I've always just been me. I've literally always just been me. And that's what I, that's one of the things we'd say to my kids is be you, mm-hmm. be whoever, be you. And, um, yeah, I hope too that, that, uh, medically, medically they, you know, those smart, smart researchers come up with stuff and they can, uh, you know, there'll be different treatments. There'll be different ways to ways to come at these type of mental health problems. And, you know, you know, partly moving to Colorado was for medical marijuana. Oh, uh, yeah. Because and it was legal at the time. Right. Yes. And um, so I saw I see a doctor here. I will tell you, I probably would not be alive had it not been for medical marijuana and what it's done to my life, to my family's life to everything in my life and um oh god it's just um the inflammation in my head the pressure in my head the uh social anxieties Mm. uh, so much and it's um 
like I said, medical marijuana has, has been something that has, um, been a, a real blessing for me. And, um, uh, also has helped, you know, probably keep me sober. So, um, so listen, my, um, we just got my mom approved. There you go. I feel like the last like week she was way more lucid and awake and calm. And it's because she's replacing a pain pill or, you know what I mean? With a gummy. <laughs> and I feel like it's, yeah, it's so much better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's another one of those things. The more we talk about it, um, the more the people know, like, uh, you know, I take it um, and I take it, like I said, medically, um, you know, you can't take it recreationally. I mean, it's like alcohol here. I take gummy uh, gummies every day um, uh, with THC and CBD in them. And it's like uh, life changing, um, you know, um, the whole aspects of it. Um, I think uh, it would be, be helpful for people, especially with, um, you know, football players are given a lot of opiates, a lot of, uh, painkillers. I mean, you, I mean, I was, uh, I mean, the, the amount of painkillers I took, uh, I can't even tell you medical marijuana has replaced any kind of need to, you know, when I have teeth work done, I don't need to go get uh, hydrocoding or anything like that. I can just have a gummy that next morning. And I honestly, it's like, no, it's, I'm fine. It would have been a great thing for me back in, in the NFL. Um, because maybe I wouldn't have turned so much to alcohol, but, uh, um, I don't know. I think everything happens for reasons at certain times in your life. And it just happens to be at this point in my life. And I'm a 47 year old, you know, grown man, you know, obviously the decisions that I make, you know, for my body and all that kind of stuff, you know, come with a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, I don't just jump into things without you know, knowing if they're going to have benefits for me or my health. And, um, you know, like this has been such a fun, this has been such a fun thing. I mean, like, you know, just even just being able to connect, I feel like we should be like doing this like often. Yeah. Hey, I, I agree because I'm just, I'm really proud of you. Generally, I don't even have, it's so weird how that's so real for me. And I didn't have a relationship with you before, but it's still true. I, I can't even explain it. So I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I freaking loved getting to know you. I'm all about coming and visiting you and your wife, just so you know, whatever out, yeah. out in the area. But like, I have so just appreciated and loved what you have brought in the sense of where you were and where you're at now. Uh, oh, well, you guys are so, it's so welcome. It's so nice to talk to you. And I'm seeing, like I said, it's, 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 there's a, um, the, you know, people you're going to have to, this is a this is a this is a, a mind that is 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 got a really hard time after I, I after I start talking after about like thirty seconds it has a hard time like going back to that original point sometimes so it can sometimes get a bit confusing. Mm. The last time I saw you, I remember we had on like blue uh, little blue shirts. You, you had your glasses, <laughs> and I just no. remember you just you, I I just I I wanted to go up and just give you a hug. <laughs> 
I, oh yeah, my you, god, you just so were funny. so sweet. <laughs> So sweet. So I just, I just, I just wanted you to know that I, I just, that's uh, just remember that. About oh you. my god, I love this. All oh, those little glasses. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk later. Thanks, guys. Yeah, anytime. Nice talking to you guys. Bye. Okay. See ya. The goal is to try to spread the word and educate about the potential side effects of concussions on our young athletes. And I know Rob really puts himself out there and allows himself to be vulnerable just so so he can help anyone out there who can hear his story and his warning. So go ahead and Google and research CTE and read up about it. It's still being studied and I would pronounce the whole thing, but I am going to butcher it. I am not known for my pronunciations, but check it out, educate yourself. And we hope that this podcast helps spread the word. Thank you so much, Rob, for being so open and being such a great, you're just a great dude. And we just thank you so much for bringing us your wisdom and, and everything that you brought to the podcast today. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you guys go to our show notes, you'll get a free gift from us. So go ahead and click there and just put your email address in. You'll get a free gift from Kelly and I. And thanks so much for being here. You've been listening to Greener Grass, a podcast. I, and I was like, wait, wait, I'm pretty sure that I only hear voices on this. I don't see pictures, so I'm not really worried, but I, I'll, show my, I'll, I'll show my pearlies. I've been to the dentist. You know, I'm doing all right. You know? <laughs> He's like, I got, I got all my some, teeth. Well, well, I'm fine. I got most. 90, oh. 99%. But that's not because... Of hygiene, hygienic. It's probably because of football. Oh my! Are you kidding me? I I, I brush my teeth like I like three times a day. Like like you know like I'm very. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is brush my teeth. And you can ask Jeff. I always say like I love brushing my teeth. Like when I'm brushing my teeth, I probably say it like four times a week. And he's like, We know, we know you love brushing. Well, if if you ever are feeling down or depressed, an immediate help or a solution is to go and floss. So much, oh. yeah, it, I'm telling you, it makes you feel so much better. Like, I don't know, it's a lot of people don't floss like that much. And it's, I know really? it's, they don't talk, we don't talk about this often, but when you floss often, it's very good for your teeth. But if you don't, yeah, and you're feeling depressed, go and floss right now because you'll feel very good. No, because you know it makes sense because you're doing something with your hands. It's very specific. Yeah. It's like a but don't task don't attack your that don't attack you can do it do it gently. Yeah, right. Because then yeah. you'll get you'll get bloody gums. Well, you and might that's get that anyway. So it. but anyway, I'm just saying it's it's a very good like you you feel like you've actually done something for yourself. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like maybe I we're mean, gonna get like um uh someone that sponsors us that's about like flossing. I'm hoping.